Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. Discipline is a word that has meant different things at different times in history. Once upon a time, discipline was getting caned or going to bed without dinner. These days, it could be timeout or reward charts. Either way, it could be something you struggle with. I know I do. Dr. Vanessa Lapointe is a practicing psychologist, mum and author of Parenting Right from the Start. Her first book, however, is Discipline Without Damage, and Vanessa joins us now. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? I'm doing well. Hello. I love the name of this book, Discipline Without Damage, and I think it probably resonates with a lot of people who may have been caned or been smacked as a kid. How do you define discipline? So discipline is really about teaching. And when we look at child development, what we come to understand very quickly based on uh, the brain and how it goes and grows and what children are actually capable of is that we are often disciplining children for things that they're not even capable of managing yet. And so discipline really is about teaching. It's about joining the child in their journey, coming alongside them and being their north that you guide them through that journey and sort of help them to ladder up to the next stage, the next step so that they get to grow up and become their best possible self. I want to go into something that you said there about we're often getting cross with them about things that they can't mentally uh, get their head around maybe. Do you think discipline is sometimes about your own perception of yourself as a parent? Like if your child is acting out and then you're like, oh my God, what what have I done wrong? And then you get cross because you think you've done the wrong thing and your child's just a brat. Is that that's more about us, right? Absolutely. And I think that's the heart of parenting. <laughs> parenting really is sort of the process of uh, being entirely exposed in terms of our own programming, our own wounds from perhaps our childhood that have come forward with us. And we worry about being judged. We worry about not doing it good enough. We worry about wrecking our kids. And then we find ourselves getting sort of worked up into a state of anger and upset that we discharge onto our children, but it actually has nothing to do with our children. When we worry, for example, about our child's making us look bad, we'll be the bad parent. Everybody in the lineup at the grocery store is now looking at us as somebody who needs to step in with some parenting and some discipline, (laughs) right? When we have those emotions, we're no longer really present and available to our child. We've fallen into our own limbic system, and then we begin to react from there. When in all reality, you know, three-year-olds who at the end of a long day have just had to make a trip around the grocery store, well, newsflash you maybe ought to expect that they're going to have a bit of a meltdown when you tell them that they're not allowed to have the candy that's right at eye level at the checkout counter (laughs) because that's where their brains are at. Developmentally, they can't hang on to themselves with their big emotions at that age and stage. And so when we can separate development out from our own stuff as the big people, then we're well on our way to making it work for everybody. What about that expectation that you tell a child something once and they should just know it? So, you know, a common refrain my own house would be that, you know, if my husband gets angry at the kids and gets cross with them, and he says, but I told them before, I told them not to touch that and the kid keeps touching it. 
What's happening there in terms of for the child and for the parent? So children can be told those kinds of things and have the best of intentions. But unlike for adults where we say, you know, the path to hell is paved with good intentions, for children what we must honor is that their good intentions are gold and they won't always be able to deliver on them. The example that you just provided about your own child, for a young child, the ability to manage your impulses and stay ahead of your impulses That doesn't begin to kind of enter into the picture until somewhere around five to seven years of age at very low levels. (laughs) So if it's anything really exciting, anything really shiny, uh, we're not going to be able to manage it. And and it's not actually until our mid-20s where we get really, really skilled at being entirely on top of managing our impulses. And even as grown-ups, I mean, let's face it, sometimes even then we don't. So to expect that a young child is going to be able to override something uh, cognitively, like a piece of information you've shared with them, don't touch that. In terms of uh, managing impulses, it's just not going to happen. The impulses are going to win. And we make ourselves crazy by having this idea that they should be able to remember. You see, discipline is more about our behavior as adults less about our children's behavior. Kids will be kids. They're going to behave as they do because their brains are by design still immature. We must step in with our best behavior to understand their behavior so we all get to grow and go. What happens when we yell at children? Obviously, if a parent yells, they've kind of hit their peak tolerance or whatever it might be and they've just exploded. What's happening to a child when their parent yells at them? Yeah. And so when you're yelling as a parent, you're no longer in your adult version of yourself. All anger is an age regression of some kind. And so that means if you've sort of, we call it flipping your lid, so you're no longer thinking with your rational mind, you've gone into your limbic system and you're reacting from an emotional space as a parent, you actually have become childlike in the way that you are stepping into the space between you and your child. Children know that other children don't do such a great job of growing kids up. And so it actually is frightening for the child to see you kind of abdicate your position as being their leader, being the one that they can lean into and count on. And in those moments, what the child experiences is that you are not dependable. You are not trustworthy. I cannot lean into your care. Rather than leaning into you, I'm going to start to move away from you. And I'm going to have to figure out how to go this on my own. Repeated too frequently, what happens is the child stays stuck in that position. You are not dependable, trustworthy. I must go this on my own. And they become what I call large and in charge kids, which means you're not in the lead of them. They're in the lead of you. Makes it really, really challenging. In that situation, when um, you're getting angry and you're yelling at your child and, and they might be sort of removing themselves from you, what would you say to someone who says, they know they've done something wrong then. When I yell at them, they know they've done something wrong. So therefore, they won't do it again. Right. So we don't want to parent with fear. When we parent with fear, we teach sort of this model of domination and that we want our children to sort of acquiesce. And parents are the first model for children in terms of how we do relationship as human beings. We are a social species by design. And so relationship is everything. It is life to us. We don't want to teach our children that that's how we do relationship. Because fast forward 30 years, 
What does that look like in their marriage? What does that look like in their employer-employee relationships? What does that look like in their relationships with their friends and their colleagues? So we want to make sure that we're modeling templates for relationship that are based on what allows our children to thrive, not just survive. And the idea is that we want to give our kids childhood that they don't have to recover from. Yeah, and say there are, I have heard of friends say, you know, uh, you know, I was brought up in a household where there was lots of yelling and um, it's it's a response that I can't control. What would you say to those parents who, who hear what you're saying and can understand it mm-hmm. philosophically, mm-hmm. but feel that anger is something that they just have no grip on? Yeah. And so you will parent as you were parented, unless you go inside and do your own work to uncover those wounds and bring them up to the surface. And so to say that you can't control it is a bit, and I'm going to say this with lots of love to all the parents out there, it's a bit of an indulgence. You can control it and you must go underneath the anger and figure out what is bringing it to the surface. The child is just a stimulus for you to kind of vent all of this stuff. It actually has nothing to do with the child. We are landing in the space of anger from inside of us, from our own belief patterns, our own subconscious programming. And so we have to uh, say hello to those things. And it's challenging work to do that. It means that you got to get vulnerable and get real. And it's messy and uncomfortable. But I'll tell you what, There's nothing that makes it more worth it to feel yourself growing and know that you can then step in and be very, very present to the growing up of your children. Would you say that kind of uncovering needs to be done with a professional? Yeah, you know, I think it's really challenging to wander around in the murky mess of that all on your own with no kind of outside uh, touch point. There is a world full of reading and podcasts and, you know, online um, videos that you can watch and all sorts of things that you can access on your own. And I have found for myself personally and for a lot of the parents that I work with, it really does help to have a guide, uh, whatever form they take, whether they're a mental health professional or somebody else who's out in the world that can be a touch point for you that way to help you find your way up and out of your own hole. What happens if there are two parents in a family, two carers, but they both have different approaches to discipline? Mm-hmm. So the challenge is, of course, you know, we'll do a seminar and it'll be a whole bunch of moms, sometimes dads, but often it's a whole bunch of moms. They'll come out and then they'll say, I, they'll go home to their husbands and say, you need to read this Dr. Lady's book. You should have been at the seminar. You need to, you need to, you need to. And the thing is that it only takes one parent to really show up and be that sort of magical combination of kind and firm parenting from a gentle space and place but also recognizing that kids need guidance and rules and norms and boundaries and expectations and all of those kinds of things. So the first thing is to make sure that you have held on to all of those pieces inside you, that you're not counting on your other half to be the firm one where you get to be the soft, squishy one or vice versa, but you embody all of that within yourself. And then the second thing that I would say and it always is when parenting tips into marriage counseling, is uh, that you really have to show up with a good dose of curiosity about why your parenting partner is parenting the way that they are. Because I can promise you, underneath 
whatever that facade is, whether they're, you know, crusty and angry, yelly, shouty parent or overly soft and permissive and not really stepping in parent, there's a reason. And the reason that they're parenting that way often will bring you to your knees. And so if you can just approach it with some curiosity and some softness, you can actually be the hand that extends out to your partner and offers them a way forward. If you barge in full of directions and instructions, uh, probably it's not going to go well. So approach with curiosity and see what happens. I love that. And I also think there's lots of, um, yes, probably moms who feel relieved hearing that because you, if you believe in this approach to discipline, if you believe in parenting from your heart and your intuition that way, it can be very confronting if your partner takes a different approach. Um, and I think I came to peace with it when I got to a place where I could look at my husband and go, you're a great dad. I, you know, I don't like the way you look at discipline, but it's okay because my kids know that this is how mum is and this is how dad is. And however you interpret it doesn't matter as long as that I can stay strong for them in that way. And it didn't mean I had to undermine him or make him see it my way because I think that was the greatest frustration because I thought, surely we're damaging our kids if we do this differently. Right. Yeah. And the literature is very clear. It only takes one. You could have a parent who really is damaging the children with a lot of sort of emotional upheaval around discipline. And if the other parent is really showing up, then we know the resilience that is uh, emboldened in the child because of the one parent that does show up makes all the difference in the world. Does the child still need to recover from the other stuff? Absolutely. But can they and will they? Yes, Yes, they will. Okay. And we are all going to send these podcasts off to the other staff anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, get the book, Discipline Without Damage. Vanessa, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. That's Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. She's the author of two books. The latest one's called Parenting Right from the Start. And her first book is called Discipline Without Damage. I'll put links to both books in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.